Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, this month, my wife and I are celebrating our 12th wedding anniversary, so I was looking at some pictures uh, from our wedding from 12 years ago, and I how good I look in that tuxedo from Leon Tailoring. Not just me, but all my groomsmen as well. And so if you got a big formal event or a wedding this fall, or maybe wedding next spring, think about our good friends over at Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy would be happy to see you. I'm happy to make you look as good today as I did 12 years ago. Well... It'll almost look as good as me as 12 years ago. I'm just kidding. So we're going to buy Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you. 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. All right. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to Crime Summit 2.0, the prosecutor's forum. My name is Joe Garrison. I am uh, one of four members of the North Shaveland Alliance, along with Tara Cardinal. Jody Shrum and Chris Parmalee, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight. Um, thank you uh, for coming, taking, taking time out of your evening to be here for this important conversation. Uh, I wanted to just give you all a little background on us and maybe why we're here tonight and why we chose to um, have this event. I know some of you are from the area and may know us well. Some of you are from all over town and, and might not know who we are or you know, kind of what we do. So the North Shapeland Alliance is led uh, really by the four of us. We are volunteers and community members who saw... Um, some concerns in our community a few years ago and kind of just asked ourselves individually, uh, how do we help? How can we help? Uh, in 2020, January, uh, there's a murder at the subway down the street. A uh, subway worker was killed during an armed robbery at 75th and Shadeland, and that kind of served as the inciting incident to get us together. Um, three of us started this out, really didn't know each other at the time, just kind of got together as community members and said, hey, how, as a group, you know, maybe there's something we could do, maybe we can help. Uh, 2020 was a pretty rough year for Indianapolis. We know the homicide rates were record-breaking. Our community was no different. Um, sometimes we get the idea that, hey, the northeast side, we're, you know, everything's okay, but we had um, a rough year as well. Just at the corner of 75th and Shadeland, we had seven people die as a result of um, violent crime, which prompted us to do the original crime summit. So if you're wondering why is it 2.0, it's because there was one last year. Um, we did the original crime summit, which included um, our city councilors, Dan Boots, Ethan Evans, uh, Commander Woolley was here with us from the IPD North District, um, Reverend Harrison from the Ten Point Coalition, and Guy Wilford from WIBC. And that was a conversation about public safety and crime in our, our local community. Um, it was very much the same format. We solicited questions from the community so that people could ask their questions of the people in charge and that might have answers. Um, since then, uh, we've worked with IMPD, the Ten Point Coalition, and other groups to really try to make our city a safer place, our area of town specifically a safer place. Um, this year, we kind of found ourselves asking questions related to um, not as much the, the on-the-street crime things, but the, you know, the, uh, the law and the, the prosecutor's office and the candidates, and we have this race going on, and we'd ask ourselves questions and not really know the answers. Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to ask them? Uh, so we said, well, let's see if we can get them together and ask, have the community ask their questions and get them to give some responses. So we, uh, we went for it, and to the uh, candidates' credit, uh, they agreed. Um, so would you all welcome Prosecutor Ryan Mears and City Carrasco. So tonight is not a debate. I want to make that real clear. It's not a debate. In the traditional sense that we watch them on TV and people yell over each other and try to get some points like that. Tonight is a conversation. It's a discussion um, focused on how to make the city safer, how 
the questions that you have, the concerns that you have. Tonight is about you all. It's about us. Um, so you've all submitted your questions. We received over 150 questions from residents of Marion County, and we will do our best to cover as much ground as possible tonight. Um, and to help us with that task, we have Jill Sheridan of WFYI to moderate for us again this year. Would you all welcome Jill? Finally, I want to thank Castles and UMC, uh, the church here, for hosting us again this year. They hosted us last year. They have been amazing and hospitable and been great to us and the community. Um, so thanks to them, Pastor Matt Landry. Um, and with that, Matt Landry is going to come up and just say a few words. Thank you. So good, my name is Matt Landry. I'm the senior pastor here at Castleton Guy Methodist Church. Uh, on behalf of the congregation, I just want to say welcome to uh, the community and this conversation here at this space. Uh, we worship here every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 o'clock. And uh, we, we always tell the congregation that whether you drive from across the, uh, the street or across the city to worship here, this is our worship home. And so whatever happens in this community affects us all. Uh, whatever happens in this part of the city affects the whole of the city. Uh, and so, just uh, at the end of last month, there was a shooting and a death that occurred just down the street at the Red Roof Inn. We gathered several people to pray, uh, to be witnesses for peace. This coming Sunday is the National Day of Remembrance for Homicide Victims. And so we're going to again gather uh, out front Sunday morning at 8.30 to again pray for peace and to be a witness for peace. And so I just want to extend that invitation to all of you uh, in your congregations or even in your homes on Sunday uh, to remember those who have been victims of, of uh, violent crime, uh, to light a candle for peace, uh, to share peaceful thoughts or a prayer if you're comfortable with that, um, and, and just be present in a peaceful manner uh, to your household, to your congregation, and to your community. Uh, so again, uh, we care about the entire, uh, the community, the whole kind of community, and we're glad to host this event tonight. So again, welcome to Castle Tech Night Methodist Church. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Matt. All right, we're looking forward to a great evening, a very informative e evening, and a great discussion between our candidates. Like I said, we'll get to as much as we can get through tonight, cover as much ground as possible. Thank you all for being here tonight and submitting your questions so that we have things to ask tonight and know what people really want to, want to know about. Thank you to the candidates and Jill for being here tonight. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Jill. All yours. Thank you, Jill. Um, my name is Jill Sheridan. I'm a city and government policy reporter for WFYI. I've been with the station now for um, about 12 years. Before that, I was a health reporter with a statewide network. Um, I've covered a lot of these issues, um, more as it relates to uh, the social factors, the determinants that play into the lives of people that do become involved in the criminal justice system, something I've found a real passion for, exploring uh, the root causes of why, when, who, how uh, crime impacts our community. And I think it's an extremely important discussion, obviously, that we're having here tonight. Um, you know, the press corps is facing its own struggles right now. We're talking a lot internally about, you know, how to how to regain trust um, in the community. And I think this type of conversation is a good start when we source, you know, over a hundred questions from the community and really find out what people are thinking, what people want to know, and, and then go to the people of that. Um, that we want to know those answers from. So, you know, applause to you for, for being here tonight and for really being involved in this process 
um, and, and thank you so much. Um, I, we're going to start with opening remarks from both the candidates. Uh, we'll go ahead and start ladies first. Uh, Cindy, um, welcome tonight, and um, opening remarks from you. Well, thank you. Um, good evening, everyone. Buenas noches a todos. Uh, Jill, thank you very much for moderating tonight. Brian, thank you for being here uh, today. To the North Shadeland Alliance, thank you so much for all the work that you've invested in putting together this very important discussion. Um, Thank you most of all to every single one of you who are here tonight and those who are watching uh, via Facebook Live. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being part of a very critical discussion about the future of our city. Now, as you know, uh, my name is Cindy Carrasco and I am running for Marion County Prosecutor. I don't take moments like tonight lightly or for granted. And that's really because of my background. I am the daughter of Mexican-American immigrants, naturalized, who came to this country for an opportunity. I grew up speaking Spanish and later learned English when I went to school. Oftentimes, I grew up translating for my mom and later advocating for my parents. It was that advocacy for my parents that really triggered that desire for me to become a lawyer. And almost 20 years ago, I had the great fortune to be able to move to Indianapolis and attend the McKinney School of Law so that I could make my dream of becoming an attorney a reality. My husband and I, my husband and my daughter who are here with me and are always with me, uh, my husband uh, moved here and we absolutely fell in love with Indianapolis. At that time, the city was thriving. We lived downtown um, and it was an, a city full of opportunity and it was a very easy decision for us to choose to make Indianapolis our forever home. Now, immediately after law school, I got my dream job. And I say that I got my dream job because I was doing what I was setting out to do, helping people and advocating for Hoosiers. My career in government allowed me to have numerous leadership roles, but it was my role as Inspector General leading a law enforcement agency. The first woman to ever do this, the second ever only um, individual to be Inspector General for the state that really propelled me and prepared me for uh, this run. Now I'm running for Marion County Prosecutor because our city is facing a public safety crisis. And I believe that public safety is the foundation of opportunity. As your next prosecutor, I will work tirelessly to build an office that is going to focus on bringing back safety and that vibrancy to our city. And we're going to do that, but focusing all of our efforts on holding criminals accountable. building and reestablishing critical relationships on investing in prevention efforts and importantly 
in reorganizing the office so that the prosecutor's office is doing the job of prosecuting individuals to make sure that our city streets, streets are safe. Now folks, I love this city and I absolutely refuse to give up on this city. This is the city that I've made my home with my husband and with my daughter. And I believe that it is full of opportunities. I will fight tirelessly to make Indianapolis the safest city in this country. And tonight, I ask you to help me and join me in that fight by voting for me in November. Thank you. Likewise, Ryan, I'd like for you to be able to give some uh, opening remarks here this evening. Well, thank you very much. First of all, good evening. Okay. You guys can do better than that. Good evening. It's so good to see so many people uh, out here today and, and engaged on a very important issue as it relates to, to criminal justice. Uh, and, and I'm very grateful that there's there's so many people here who get the opportunity to hear from uh, the people who very you know carry very much about our criminal justice system. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ryan Mears. I'm your current uh, Marion County prosecutor. Uh, I've been the elected prosecutor for about three years now, but uh, my career at the prosecutor's office started in 2006 uh, under Carl Brisson. Uh, I got out of law school, and I really wanted to make sure that I was in a position to go into public service, and I wanted to make a difference in our community, and I found that opportunity at the prosecutor's office. Uh, I feel very fortunate. My mom was a school teacher, and I always tried to follow her example. And, and her example was, what can you do to try to make your community a better place? And I saw the prosecutor's office as an opportunity to try to help people and make a difference in our community. And I worked my way up in the office. Uh, I had every job in the building. I started off prosecuting low-level misdemeanor cases and worked my way up uh, to homicide cases. And I've, I've prosecuted a fair number of homicide cases personally myself. Uh, I've been the person standing in the courtroom bringing justice to victims. I know what is required of someone uh, when they bring criminal charges. I know the burden uh, and the standard that the community has set for us. And uh, I was really able to make a name for myself in the prosecutor's office because I had some pretty high-profile successful homicide prosecutions. Uh, and with that, uh, I was given some leadership opportunities under uh, Mr. Curry. And uh, unfortunately, he became very sick. And I never once thought I would be the elected prosecutor. I never once thought I would be in elected politics. Uh, but uh, fate kind of intervened, and when Mr. Curry had to step away, it provided an opportunity for me to run for prosecutor. I was successful in that, and over the last three years, uh, I've served as the Marion County Prosecutor. Uh, because I've had the opportunity to serve in different roles and in different areas in the office, uh, you cannot help but notice that there are some inequities that exist in the criminal justice system. And I always thought if I'm ever in a position to, to, to be in a leadership position, I'm fortunate enough to have one of these jobs, I need to do something to address those inequities. Uh, so one of the first things that I did when I became prosecutor was we made the decision that we're not going to prosecute simple possession of marijuana. Uh, I did that for two reasons. One, it's, it's an incredible waste of resources and time. Uh, it costs us thousands of dollars to prosecute any one person, let alone prosecuting someone with a joint uh, when you have to call expert testimony. Uh, but when I looked out at the courtroom and I saw who was ultimately being prosecuted for possession of marijuana, uh, I saw a disproportionate impact on people of color. 
if you look at marijuana usage rates amongst uh, white Americans and African Americans, and then you see who ends up in the criminal justice system, you cannot help but know that this inequity exists. And if, well, if I'm willing to acknowledge that those inequities exist, then I need to be able to do something about it. And that's why we used our discretion to say, we're not going to mess around with simple possession of marijuana. Uh, the other thing that bothered me is we had way too high of a recidivism rate, meaning that people that we dealt with in the criminal justice system, when they came back into our community too oftentimes, we heard that uh, they were reoffending. And so the question was, let's sit down with these folks and let's talk to these individuals and see why, why this is occurring. And we figured out a couple of things. Number one, if you want to make someone successful or put, put someone on the pathway to success, getting them employment is one of the biggest factors that you can find. Uh, but we were kind of in a catch-22 because so many people were being denied employment opportunities because of their prior felony conviction. So what we did is we started our second chance fairs where we partnered up with all sorts of nonprofit agencies, uh, the big law firms, many of the big corporations that, that you guys hear about, whether it's Lilly or Cummins. And we provided first-class legal representation to people to help get these convictions taken off their record. Uh, because to me, the biggest thing that we can do is get people working. If people are working, we don't see them in the criminal justice system. Uh, the second thing that I heard is I'm never going to get my driver's license back. Uh, and, and, and just to be clear, you know, my programs aren't for the people who are driving 150 miles on 38th Street, but it's for the folks who are driving who get pulled over, maybe because they failed to signal, maybe they didn't come to a complete stop, and then they get pulled over and they get a ticket, and they don't have that $160, and as a consequence, their license is suspended. We are now criminalizing that person every single time they drive, every time they go to the grocery store, every time they go to the doctor's office, every time they go to church, every time they go to work, every time they pick up their kids from school, and they're looking over their shoulder every single time. There's no nexus to public safety. We're just punishing poor people. And then to add insult to injury, the BMV imposes these ridiculous reinstatement fees that have nothing to do with anything, where a $160 ticket ends up costing someone thousands of dollars. And people who have little or no margin for error can't climb out of that hole. And so what we do is we help get people's driver's licenses reinstated. We set aside fees, especially the BNB reinstatement fees, which are absurd. And we set aside tickets so we can get people driving on the street legally because, again, I don't want that to be a barrier for employment. I don't want to waste the criminal justice resources on people driving while suspended. The number one charge in the entire state of Indiana that's filed across this state is driving while suspended which tells you what we're doing is not working. So let's find a solution that makes our community safer and more fair, which these programs try to do. It's also a tremendous opportunity for us to, to have conversations in the community. And when you have those conversations in the community, one of the things that you hear is there's a real lack of trust between the community and law enforcement. And that lack of trust manifests itself in the fact that there's not a ton of people who cooperate when they're victims of violent crime. 70% of the people get shot in our community do not tell the police what happens. They don't even lie. They make a story. They say, I'm not saying anything. And as a result, we have this terrible cycle of violence, retaliatory violence, which is why we're, we're dealing with the situation we're dealing with. What can we do to break that cycle? And a lot of it comes down to trust. Do people trust the prosecutor's office? Do people trust law enforcement to come forward with that information? And the answer is yes. And we see that answer in the fact that we have one of the highest conviction rates we've ever had as it relates to homicide cases right here today. Just today, we convicted someone of murder. Just today, we convicted someone of multiple counts of robbery. 
we went to jury trial, we went in front of the community, and the community said, what you're doing is correct. You have found this person guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, which once again goes to demonstrate our commitment to trying to hold people accountable, but also making sure that we're holding the right people accountable. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.